Welcome back to another episode of 5 a.m. Theology. Rose, this week we got to Nehemiah 12, and the exiled Israelites or Judaites have returned to Jerusalem after being in exile. The wall around Jerusalem that had been destroyed has now been rebuilt, and they're about to have a worship service. And I'm going to read a few verses from Nehemiah 12. Nehemiah 12, 30 to 31 says, and the priests and the Levites purified themselves and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up unto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the dung gate. And that's the end of those two verses. And then in verse 38, it says the other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north and I followed them with half of the people on the wall. And that's the end of that verse. So basically the tribes were divided into two groups and they went in opposite directions surrounding the whole city on top of the wall and they were worshiping. So you know what this reminded me of? I can take a good guess because I know what it reminds me of. It reminds me of Revelation 21 where they talk about the new Jerusalem and the new Jerusalem is the people of God. Chris, we talk about this in our book, The Final Exodus, deciphering the book of Revelation. Like I said, the new Jerusalem in Revelation chapter 21 is symbolic of the people of God, the bride of Christ. It's not an actual city. Jerusalem's an actual city in Nehemiah, but it's a symbol for the people of God. And we know that because the description of it in Revelation 21 starts out with the angel saying to John, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. When you look at the whole book of Nehemiah as a whole, and you and I both love the book of Nehemiah, you really see that it's a picture of God's people. It's a picture of us as we make our way through our Christian walk. We have adversity, we have trials, we have enemies, but we're restored, we're reconciled to God, and we're rebuilt. Yeah, we see that totally in Nehemiah's starting with him coming and inspecting the walls of Jerusalem at night in chapter two and seeing that they're in ruins like we are, the walls starting to be rebuilt in chapter three amidst all that opposition that you talked about. It's opposition from outside in chapter four, and it's also being rebuilt despite the sin in the lives of God's people who Nehemiah calls out for their sin, and then there's repentance. And like you said, despite all this opposition, and the fact that originally the wall was a bunch of rubble, in chapter six, the wall's finished and the city's populated with God's people. And then we get to Nehemiah 12 and we see this one people rejoicing and worshiping with one voice in a big celebration. Yeah, it is amazing how it just mirrors our, our walk. The book of Nehemiah is a foreshadowing of Jesus. Nehemiah is a type of Jesus. And here he's taking up stones that are nothing but rubble and he's building them individually and corporately into a beautiful city, culminating in being built into a perfect, beautiful wall. And if that's not a picture of what Jesus does to us in taking us who are our hot mess rubble selves and in ruins and who have, like you said, all kinds of adversities and trials, and he takes us and he builds us into something much more. He sanctifies us. And someday we are going to be perfect and holy and completely sanctified. We're going to be the new Jerusalem. And Chris, we should take a lot of encouragement from the book of Nehemiah. 
especially when we get to chapter 12, where the two choirs are giving thanks to God on the wall. Yeah, it's a picture of the church triumphant. So that should give us hope. What's, like you said, what started out as rubble is now a wall that can hold two large choirs of people marching around it. Hmm. Rose all the way through the book of Nehemiah, as well as Ezra, where they're rebuilding the temple. God's people are frustrated over and over by the things that we've mentioned lately. Opposition from within, those things that we mentioned in episode 37 from Ezra. They're the ones who claim to be Christians, but their fruit shows that they're anything but that. We also have opposition from without, those who persecute God's people. Wicked governments who allow all sorts of evil to infiltrate our societies or who distract us and take our focus off of Christ. Those who will do anything to frustrate and interfere with the work of the church corporately or individually. And then in Nehemiah 4, I thought back to this. Sanballat, who's an enemy of God's people, said he mockingly says, can they bring these stones back to life? And he's talking about the rubble and the mess the wall that we are in basically that we are basically the mess and what would you say to that rose well first of all boy does that sound like when the pharisees were mocking jesus and said he said he's going to tear the temple down and rebuild it in three days and the answer to sambalot's question and to the pharisees mocking is no none of that would be possible if it weren't for that god is doing the building Certainly the people in Jerusalem could not have built that wall on their own. You can't take rubble and build a wall. And certainly no human could knock a stone temple down and rebuild it in three days. Of course, Jesus was talking about his actual body. But with God, all things are possible. But Chris, just like God was with them and Nehemiah and the people rebuilding the wall, Jesus is rebuilding us. And Christ is our foundation. We might be a mess now. Some days we're probably more of a mess than others, but we're not always going to be. Someday, as Paul says in Philippians 1, 6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And just like we see the church perfected, to see us perfected like that is just an incredible encouragement, and just so much hope. But until then, how's our rebuilding happen? Well, as we talked about Nehemiah doing last week, when opposition came against them, he doesn't go to people for help. He went to God in prayer. We talked about praying back God's word, that being the first thing that you need to do. Absolutely. And when God's people themselves are the ones frustrating the work because of their sin, they go to God in repentance. And then the work continues. It, it, it builds us up. This is such a picture of the Christian life and life of the church throughout history as Christ builds his church. But Rose, Nehemiah 12 reminded me of one more thing. God's people are walking around worshiping on a huge wall, symbolically one that will never be able to be destroyed because its foundation is Christ. Does this remind you of another wall that we've talked about on a podcast recently? It does. Not on this podcast, but in No Trash, Just Truth. We talked about the Assyrians who had this immense wall. It was ridiculously huge and it surrounded the city. 
we this was in the episode on Nahum. They thought their wall was impregnable. They they thought nothing would be able to take that wall down and they were invincible because of it. But guess what? God destroyed it. He destroyed it as if it was nothing. Just like Armageddon, it's going to be, it's done and evil will be destroyed. And at Armageddon, God will destroy Satan and his demons and all of the wicked. But they can never destroy Christ's church. Christ's church, no matter how hard we're persecuted, no matter how hard they try, no matter how much opposition, will never be destroyed. Absolutely. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So if you're listening, think of that when you get to Nehemiah 12 and be encouraged. Amen to that. That's a good place to end today. Have a blessed morning, everyone. Thank you.